Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Final hour, OutKick 360, Monday edition. We're recapping all the big headlines from the weekend. Some great football finishes. We'll recap week 15 across the NFL coming up in about 20 minutes and uh, continue to give you the latest on the NFL injuries, which includes Justin, or excuse me, uh, Jalen Hurts, who is uh, sidelined for the time being with a sprained shoulder. How serious of an issue is this? Well, uh, we'll find out that his status is quote unquote uncertain for the upcoming game, uh, Christmas Eve. That's a 425 kickoff on Fox between Dallas and Philly that's in Dallas and what's a a big game for the Cowboys they know they're in the postseason the question is where they're going to seed and you've got the Eagles who know they're also in only with one loss on the season following their victory over Chicago yesterday 25-20 but this certainly leaves this air of of well doom quite frankly if Hertz isn't able to go, and if this is more serious than what is being reported right now. Jordan Schultz has put out there that it's not a collarbone issue. I think that was the big fear. But Chad, I, I know he finished the game, but these things, you know, they tend to derail a season based on crucial injuries. And this is another example of this is a war of attrition in the in the NFL. And there's some debate on whether or not from different reporters it's the throwing shoulder or his left non-throwing shoulder which is also two two separate reports one is saying throwing the other one is saying non-throwing so we'll continue to look at that um you mentioned the vegas part of this cowboys were two point favorites versus the eagles as of this morning the line moved throughout the day now it's up to five and a half for the eagles with jalen hurts out for this game um this is huge I mean, this is the best team in the NFL, and this is the NFL MVP. So uh, it's big for the remaining regular season games, but the most important part of this is they have to have Jalen Hurts around for the playoffs. I'll also say, popped in my mind, the last time the Eagles were really good and had a quarterback injury, they went with their backup and went and won a Super Bowl in unlikely fashion with Nick Foles. Now, Jalen Hurts is far better than Carson Wentz. And he's having a far better season and bigger impact on this team than Carson Wentz was with the Eagles when they last won the Super Bowl, I think 2017, Yep. in the 2017 season. So it's a bigger deal, but hey, there's, there's a franchise that's done it, and the Eagles are that franchise recently. Jalen Hurts with a, a handful, three other touchdown runs yesterday, and he had 10 going into the game. He's now upped it to, he's got 40 touchdowns combined now. Uh, for the who, who was the MVP favorite right now in Vegas, it's flipped to to Patrick Mahomes. Chad, a, a great finish to the World Cup with Argentina topping France uh, with kicks at the end, and you've got the uh, the messy moment with everything, and then the the scene of celebration in Argentina afterwards was incredible. 
The Buenos Aires celebration was uh, the coolest that I've ever seen. This is unlike anything I've ever witnessed in terms of the scale of people <laughs> around the capital city uh, for this celebration was remarkable. And it's so cool to see guys everyone knows. Yes. Lionel Messi, Mbappe, they delivered on the biggest stage. Uh, really, really cool to watch this on, on Sunday morning and see you know this game absolutely deliver. I took a flyer on it every Friday. We do our what's going to be the big headline on Monday, and I just said, oh, it's going to be something to do with the World Cup final. I don't know what. It's either going to be a blowout, I mean, a great game, an incident. It turned into one of the all-time classics. I don't know. I haven't studied every World Cup final, but everyone I follow on Twitter that does, that watches soccer, including uh, Carly Lloyd was one of them I saw from the U.S. women's national team, said greatest World Cup final ever between these two countries. So really, really cool to see uh, what is always a terrific tournament every four years end in that fashion. And Argentina wins for the first time since the 80s, uh, getting that done. Um, The Vikings win with the greatest comeback in NFL history. So you have Frank Reich, who's fired by Indy, who was the quarterback for the record-setting game with all of this to begin with. Then you end up having Jeff Saturday up 33-0. And here come the Minnesota Vikings outscoring them 36-3 in regulation, or excuse me, in the second half of regulation, then getting the field goal at the end of overtime. And for what looked like a, a, it was going to be a Jeff Saturday on a Saturday type performance, Chad, you mentioned like this would end up being their first victory over a playoff caliber team and a good one at that. And uh, on the road, quite frankly, um, it ends up being an incredible performance and unquestionably um, very, we will not forget this performance in the second half based on how everything played out and just how bad it played out for Minnesota in the first half compared to the final two quarters and how things cratered. We won't see this again anytime soon. Instead, this game became legendary for reasons Jeff Saturday and Matt Ryan never want to talk about again, including this stat that is remarkable. This is from Josh Dubow of the AP. Teams leading by 30-plus points are 1,548, 1-1 in regular season and playoffs since 1930. The only teams who did not win, Oilers versus the Bills in the 92 playoffs, led 35-3. We all know about that one with Frank Wright at quarterback. Lost 41-38. And then the Bills again versus the Broncos in 1960. Led 38-7. Ended up tying 38-38. Congratulations are in order here for the Indianapolis Colts for joining that very distinguished list. What ended up happening instead of Saturday winning on a Saturday – was Jeff Saturday confirming there's no way he's going to be retained as the head coach for the Colts, and Matt Ryan joining a very dubious list of one to be a quarterback who blew the biggest lead in Super Bowl history and has now blown the biggest lead in NFL regular season history. Well, and and also know this. um, The Colts also allowed 33 points in the fourth quarter to Dallas earlier this year. So that was the second most points allowed in NFL history in the fourth quarter. And then they're outscored 36-3 and ultimately lose the game in overtime to Minnesota. And what's a big, big moment for the Minnesota Vikings because they lock up the NFC North with the win. And you also have this moment of the team coming together with a rookie head coach and a, a plenty of talent on the offensive side of the football and the defense got it done against the Colts offense throughout this game. 
Here's uh, O'Connell in the locker room postgame for Minnesota. We set out a long time ago talking about doing one thing, and one thing first before we talked about anything else. Congratulations, NFC North champs right there. Yeah. All right, when we came in this locker room at halftime, it couldn't get much worse. We couldn't have done more to allow that other team to win the football games. But I just felt it. I felt each and every one of you, I felt the captains with your C's on your chest, understanding that we were about to go break an all-time regular season or playoff record for comeback victory to win. there that video alone makes me love him even more but that was awesome and i love how he checked notes in the middle of it <laughs> we, it, we didn't know we were going to have the biggest nfl regular season or playoff comeback i'd love that he looks down at the notes in the middle of the pep talk after the game that was awesome and that indeed i mean you can see like if the vikings go on this crazy run now in the playoffs we will look back to that moment there's always that turning point because they they came in with 10 wins and there were plenty of questions, though, about Minnesota and whether or not they were going to be able to withstand the, the playoff litany of talent that they were going to have to face, some on the road, to get to the Super Bowl. Like, are they legitimate or not? And I still think people are going to question them because of Kirk Cousins. But the way that they are able to get points, drive and get points, um, and I think they get a lot of criticism because of how many times they have to play comeback throughout the season. But... Chad, there's something to winning games. Last year with Zimmer, they were not doing this. They were losing close games. And in effect, they were basically what Jacksonville has been through the first three-fourths of the season. And now look at them. I mean, NFC North, they've already wrapped it up with 11 wins, but they're also uh, one of those teams it's hard to match up against because they have multiple receiving options. They've got the top receiver in the game in Jefferson, and then they have a dual threat out of the backfield that starts, of course, with Dalvin Cook, who was the number one option last year, and now they go through the pass, not the run, and Cook is able to get get what he can in the run game, but they don't have to rely on that. They're able to throw the short passing game, and the, they allow the receivers to do the rest. Watching Mike Vrabel's press conference earlier, he was asked a question about leaders in the locker room getting guys to play hard and be ready to go, and he said this isn't a weekly cheerleading contest. So let's keep that in mind about the NFL. It's not a cheerleading contest. But that's a pretty good job of cheerleading by Kevin O'Connell yeah. in, that, in that clip. And from what we heard about the end of the Mike Zimmer era, the exact opposite of the way that locker room felt about their previous head coach. So while they were close in games under Zimmer, that is the difference of a new voice, new direction, new leadership when you see O'Connell talking to his guys as opposed to the end of the Zimmer era where it was good 
for a little while, but really just wore thin as time went on. That's that's a team playing hard for each other and playing hard for their coach. I, I really like this this group for the Vikings. Yep. On the flip side, Jeff Saturday had to deliver the message to uh, the Colts locker room after that awful performance uh, that was – it's at the top of cratering jobs that we've seen from other NFL teams in history. Here's Jeff Saturday postgame. That's two games you guys have really – it's really fallen apart in the fourth quarter. It's like 55 nothing scoring there. So yeah. like, the team used to be pretty good at finishing that. What do you think – Again, self-inflicted wounds. Like if you look at it offensively again, you know, you can't turn the ball over. You can't jump off sides on a short. You know, you can't. Th- those kinds of mistakes ultimately cost you ball games. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously it's a heartbreaking loss, right? You're frustrated. You're, you're disappointed. Um, we'll look back and know that self-inflicted wounds got us again. And, you know, those guys, listen, they're, they're, they they understand this game and they know. You know, each of them will look at themselves and say, what could I have done differently? Um, no, no different than every coach in there is going to do, including myself. There's uh, Jeff Saturday post game. You can tell, like, this is, let's just get to the off season now. There's a vibe of, and it could have been that to begin with, but there was a vibe whenever he was brought in from Ursay and others of, we're, we're going to give this guy a legitimate chance. Let's get a look at Jeff Saturday. Chad, I, I, I think about what Dan Dockett's told us uh, the week that they brought him in as the interim head coach, where he said, I think it's more likely he's the GM than the head coach next year. And at this point, if Saturday wants to be a part of the organization, that's how I view it. It's GM, assistant GM, something more than just head coach, because we've seen too often his team give up big leads or they uh, the clock management issues from the sideline and, and a, from the quarterback position, all of it. And, of course, on Saturday, what we saw at halftime compared to what we saw in overtime. Yeah, and it, when he took the job, they won the first time out against the Raiders. So you're thinking, okay, there's a new energy, new vibe. Maybe they're going to make something happen. But Jim Irsay pointed to the fact that he doesn't have that fear level of most right. NFL coaches that have been around. Well, I'll tell you something that'll give you some fear is blowing a 33 nothing lead in the NFL as a head coach. So if he didn't have fear before, he's going to have some fear instilled in him moving forward if they decide to give him this job because uh, no other coach can say they've done that in an NFL game where they've blown a lead like that. So that, that'll develop some fear. Yeah, I don't think there's any way he's retained as head coach. But I agree, I agree with, with Dan Dockage. Yeah. When he's, there's going to be some role for him. There was already a role for him as a consultant to Jim Irsay in the organization. You know that he's going to do something with them if he wants. may want to go back to media after all of this. He's really good. And I, I like, I've enjoyed his pressers. Um, if nothing else, Chad, he is giving Irsay a, a, a very honest look at the – kind of what you're talking about with Florida, with the Gators. Like – Who's in? Who's not? Who can we? Who should be here? Who shouldn't be? And let's let's have a deep dive on where we want to be versus where we are. And maybe you know, Ursay trust him to that level. He certainly does. But it, does he trust him now? Based on what we've seen as the interim head coach, it's hard to say. That. Only Ursay could shock everyone by naming him the full time head coach. We don't we don't see that happening. That shouldn't happen based on the, the results that we've seen here. Well, even not just Ursay, from Jeff Saturday's viewpoint, if I'm going through this experience, I am not walking but sprinting back to Bristol, Connecticut and going on that morning show, Get Up with ESPN, and not doing this anymore. Yeah, I'd much rather be talking about NFL teams than being thrust into this position of never coached in the NFL, only coached <laughs> high school, 
now you're the head coach of the Colts, and now things are falling apart even more. But I still love the fact that he did win that one game over Josh McDaniels. Can always point to that. He, For all he the NFL the coaches that said there's no way he can win a game, no way he's going to do anything, he did win that one game. He'll always have the Raiders game. He'll always have it. Uh, he's really good at talking ball. We'll do the same when we come back. We'll recap the Sunday matchups from Week 15. That's straight ahead on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. You can stream the show live at OutKick.com, and if you're listening right now to this great radio partner, we appreciate you across the OutKick network, OutKick 360 from 6th and Peabody, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. So... The Eagles, Chad, they need just one more win to wrap up the number one seed, to clinch the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, But here are uh, the Eagles going into a week where Jalen Hurts has a sprained shoulder. At least that's the initial reports coming off their win against the Chicago Bears where he stayed in the game. He still threw that 68-yard touchdown pass to A.J. Brown. They're on the road this week, Christmas Eve afternoon in Dallas where the Cowboys... We weren't expecting them to lose yesterday to Jacksonville uh, in the fashion that they did, especially with the leads that they held. But this has always been circled. And while we're not going to see Dallas win the division, there's still a scenario out there where all four teams in the NFC East can get into the playoffs. And quite frankly, this is a Dallas team that can help itself based on where they can rise to uh, to a wild card uh, ranking, a seeding, and uh, get a better matchup in the, the first round to move on. I do think, I, I, I see Dallas as a, an NFC championship level con, uh, team. Uh, they've got the run game. They certainly have the playmakers on defense. They have uh, the athleticism on the outside at receiver. They've uh, Schultz and others at tight end. But the Eagles are the team to beat. And that certainly opens things up with the, the backstretch of the season for Philadelphia, making sure that their guy, their MVP front runner, is healthy enough to be ready for uh, week two of the postseason. Keep in mind, they get the bye if they get the, the one seed, the only team in the NFC that would be able to do so. Noah Brown had a big game, talking about wide receivers for, for the Cowboys in this past game. I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I think they've got what it takes to make a, a run here, and they're Super Bowl capable. 
But they just – they should have lost at home to the Texans. Yep. They blow a big lead and they lose to the Jags on the road. They need to beat a Gardner Minshew-led Eagles team on Christmas Eve before I'm ready to say that they're not in a huge slide right now. I mean, this is two straight weeks now of really pitiful performances uh, for them. So if they need to go out and win this game against a backup quarterback. And then I think you know they stabilize a bit, but it's one thing in the NFL to have a tough two- or three-week stretch. Another thing for that to bleed on and on and get dangerously close to your postseason stretch. Yeah. So the Cowboys need to reverse some of what's been going on the past two weeks. They're the only team that's posted two games with 50-plus points, only offense to do that this year, Dallas. Um, they beat the Vikings, what was it, 40-3? to three? They killed them. They crushed them. Uh, then they had to return home. They had the Giants on Thanksgiving Day. They beat them by eight, I believe. It was a possession game, 28-20. Uh, and then they followed that up with performances against the Colts where they crushed the Colts. They put up 54. They scored 33 in the fourth quarter. And then they then came the, the Texans and the Jags where the final score, they, they win at home against Houston, but 27-23, the final. It came down to the wire. And uh, the Jacksonville beats them in overtime. And Jacksonville right now is playing, I mean, they're hitting on all cylinders. They've started slow this past week, yesterday, against Dallas. But then you've got Trevor Lawrence, whose stat line right now is, uh, I mean, it looks like a guy that should be a franchise-level quarterback and a number one overall pick. His last six games, 14 touchdowns, one interception, 157 for 223 on the attempts. That's a completion percentage of just over 70%. And the Jags are 4-2 and two in that stretch with wins that have now set them up to where they can win the AFC South all of a sudden. They're only a game behind the Titans, and the Titans were 7-3. and three. They're now 7-7 seven and seven after the loss to the Chargers. Um, yeah, we've seen teams go in opposite directions. I'm not, I'm not out, though, on Dallas, and certainly not with Philly. Um, even with, with Hurts banged up, I think, based on these reports, it's nothing serious that's going to put anything in the playoffs in jeopardy. But this is a, a division that is outstanding. And we, we saw it again uh, this past weekend with the, the matchup with the Giants and the, the, the Commanders as, as well. Um, three rushing touchdowns for Hurts. He gets them back in the game and ultimately closes things out in that game against Chicago. Um, but the Eagles need one win, and their dual-threat guy may not be available to get that one win. But, Chad, they have enough playmakers. And their defense that can get after a, a Dallas team that – if you stop their run, you can get after the passer. This is a, a, a Eagles team that we've never seen a, a defense with four pass rushers register double-digit sacks in the same season. Brandon Graham has eight and a half. He's next in line to get 10, and when he does, Philly will have achieved that as well. There's a storyline everywhere across this roster. Yeah, there really is. It, it's been a remarkable season. Hey, there's breaking news uh, in the NFL. This story came out earlier. Uh, but there's a lot more detail to it now. Former Patriots star and current NFL Network analyst Willie McGinnis has been arrested for felony assault. Uh, and there is video of this. He beat up a man at an L.A. hotspot, punched the guy in the face repeatedly, and later stood him up with his friends and bashed him in the head with a bottle. And this is all on video. And this is going everywhere right now. This is 
awful. And it took place uh, like a week and a half ago or something, I believe. I, I, I'm not seeing the exact timeline. Um, here's the full, now TMZ has a full article up about it. And I'm sure I can get a timeline on that. It, it, it looks really bad. Because he walks right up to a guy who's sitting down. They like, clearly had words or something happened before. Yeah. And he's talking over him and then punches him while he's seated. And then picks him up and him and his buddies proceed to beat, beat him up and then eventually hit him in the face of the bottle. And the dude is standing at the end of it, which is the most remarkable part of all this. He just gets back up and stands up. Like, not, like he's alert? I mean, I'm going to read straight from the TMZ story, and this, this properly sums it up, uh, and they describe it well. It starts with, Willie McGinnis beat the hell out of a man at an L.A. hotspot, an attack that got him arrested Monday. Shocking video obtained by TMZ Sports shows him punching the guy in the face, later bashing him in the head with a bottle. The wild altercation went down on December 9th. Okay. So I'm not sure what day that was, but December 9th at Delilah in West Hollywood, the ex-NFL star and several of his, of his acquaintances could be seen in the footage unloading on a man who was sitting at a table at the popular lounge. In the clip, you can see McGinnis walking up to the guy, appearing to exchange words with him before landing a left hook straight to his face. This is how it starts. The guy is seated. McGinnis is standing over him and punches him in the face. At least three other men could be seen in the video immediately jumping into the action, landing a flurry of punches on the man over and over again. The punches never stopped. It was over 30 seconds of punching, despite bystanders' attempts to try to separate the men from each other. At one point during the melee, McGinnis picks up a bottle and then slams it into the man's head repeatedly. The 51-year-old former linebacker can be seen in the footage tossing it onto a nearby sofa before finally walking away from the scene. The man was bloodied and bruised once the brawl stopped. He's yet to be publicly identified. McGinnis was arrested on Monday morning over the incident. Authorities said he was booked at 7.30 a.m. on a charge of assault with a deadly weapon. And he's, uh, he's an NFL employee working for the NFL Network, so he's subject to the conduct detrimental to the league, believe it or not. And he's been suspended, right, from NFL Network? Did I read that this morning? I mean... I don't I mean, think that, that was don't, the first thing that came out. I don't think he's going to be on Good Morning Football tomorrow or anytime soon. I don't know that it's been formally announced yet, but I, I doubt he's going to be working on NFL Network. Um, crazy story. 51 years old, Willie McGinnis. And it, also crazy, it took 10 days to get this video going. Like, T- TMZ is usually on it quicker yeah, than that. Yeah. But the story just got out. So it's taken December 9th, this happened. 10 days ago. Yeah, 10 days. But uh, that's, I mean, I guess someone just did enough digging to find the arrest report or he checked himself in, turned himself in this morning. I, I guess. And that's when it was official. And then once that happened, TMZ does what they will do and gets to work on where it happened and they call and they pay for the secu- I mean, this security footage. It's just overhead black and white footage of the incident of uh, Delilah was the name of the hotspot. Is that where, where this we took went place. when we were out there in LA? What was the name of that place? It did have one word in the name. I don't remember that. Monk, All of them maybe. Did. All of them did. I don't know if it was Delilah. Maybe it was Samson. <laughs> I think Samson was the name of the club we were at in West Hollywood. Uh, tonight uh, for the Manning cast. It was a famous place, though, I remember. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't remember the wherever name. Wherever Liner wanted to go. Yeah. Um, Manning cast, Monday Night Football, it is Packers-Rams. Whenever the schedule was released, it looked like a great game. Um, no, it's not. But this should be a great broadcast for the Manning cast. They've got uh, George Kittle, DeMarcus Ware, and Ray Lewis – 
And Lil Wayne is also on the broadcast tonight with the Mannings. Yeah, I saw a Eli, reason to watch. Eli tweeted, I really look forward to spending the rest of the afternoon watching Lil Wayne videos to get ready for the, the show tonight. <laughs> so uh, they do a good job getting unexpected guests on that Manning cast. Uh, certainly, Lil Wayne would be one of them. Lil Wayne, who Hutton and I at a Super Bowl party with Bud Light, it was worth once it. waited until 2.30 a.m. before he took the stage. He was the headliner. He was, wasn't he Outcast scheduled? was on before him. Yeah. And I, I think They ended at like nine. I'm not even exaggerating. There's like a four and a half hour wait between the opening act and yeah. Lil Wayne who Out, came on at 2.30. Outcast ended at nine and he was the... Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, you're right. I don't even I don't know if he had arrived at that point for the Super Bowl. It was, it was so bold that I couldn't help but respect it at the end of it. I'm thinking... It was still... Again, it was worth it. It was worth waiting. Was People there to see Lil Wayne were still very excited. Um, Chad, believe it or not, the Saints still have a playoff chance with uh, the NFC South, with winning the NFC South. So the Bucks lose, and of course the Saints beat the Falcons yesterday, and they were the the Saints were the only team of the division to win on Sunday because the Panthers also fell to the Steelers. So all of a sudden, it's a race where even the Saints can look at the scoreboard, can look at the standing and say, yeah, legitimately, we could find our way into this. So the Panthers fired Matt Rule. They've had the advantage over the Saints uh, because of some tiebreakers. The, and, and the Falcons, quite frankly. Yeah, both of them, because of the tiebreakers. If they win their final three games, they'll have swept the Buccaneers. They will win the division. So the Panthers control uh, their, their path to the playoffs. If they finish 3-0... and they're going to the postseason ahead of Tampa or any of the other bad teams in the division. And the Saints could make the playoffs at 7-10 and 10 as long as they beat the Panthers. I mean, who's, who's the worst playoff team? That, that winner or the AFC South winner by the time the playoffs roll around? Oh, well, it, I'd, de- I'd still it depends say on the AFC South winner. Jacksonville's far better than these teams. Yeah. Well, it, it, Tampa. I mean, Tampa's the one because of Brady that you would say, all right, Maybe, I, I, boy, that's terrible. Yeah. What's happening in that division is just awful. And the Panthers blew a golden opportunity. Yes. Against the Steelers having to go with Mitchell Trubisky. And Trubisky after played Kenny okay. Pickett's injury. And he had a startlingly efficient day. Najee Harris finally got something going in the run game for Pittsburgh. Finally. They played Steelers football. Did you play, play him in defense? Don't you have Najee Harris? I play him every week because oh, okay. I have no So backups. that's how you knew. Yeah. So you won. Based Deontay on this. Johnson, also on my fantasy team. I can tell you he had a big day. So you mentioned Tampa. They, they fall to Cincinnati 34-17. They were led 17-0. They allow 34 unanswered. No catches for Mike Evans in the second half. I don't know how that happens. Byron Lefwich, Todd Bowles, Tom Brady. I don't know how you're not going to Mike Evans in crucial moments throughout the second half after building a 17-0 lead. That's part of the problem. They also, I mean, they turned it over four times and gave the football back to Joe Burrow and company. And you do that, Burrow's going to take advantage. I and saw that and I thought, is he hurt? With no. the Mike Evans stat. And he wasn't. That's no. strange. I mean, Bruce Arians, get involved, man. This offense needs, so, needs your touch. We need to do something where we just, starting with Nathaniel Hackett and on down, we rank the one-and-done candidates in terms of most likely to be one-and-done and least likely. Todd Bowles is climbing that list. 
he may soon replace Nathaniel Hackett as number one on that list of one and done. Lovey Smith is on that list. Oh, you're also, saying like most likely to leave. Most likely to be fired after one season. I still think it's Hackett, number one. I said, starting with Hackett going yeah, down. I don't, I don't think you can pass that. But Todd Bowles is climbing that list and getting closer oh, yeah. to Hackett. Yes, and this is, the, this is the reason why Arian stepped away, so that Todd Bowles could be set up to take over this roster and win. Take yeah, over a team that's won a Super Bowl and that was a, a, a comeback away, a big play away from beating the Rams and... Instead, they've gone in the opposite direction. This is also... It's a three-person list, by the way. Um, and then in Bowles, Houston. Lovey Smith, Nathaniel Hackett. I would have put Josh McDaniels on there, but they've won a few times lately. And, you know, the report came out that the Raiders don't, don't have enough money to fire him with the buyout and everything else involved. So Did that's you see what they're paying Frank Reich and Indy? $36 million. Yeah, $9 million a season. That's bad. And how about Frank Reich sending the text to Kirk Cousins after the game? after the comeback against his Colts team and congratulated him and talked about how ever since he had that comeback win for the Bills, he's had a great opportunity to share his faith with people. And he knows how religious Kirk Cousins is. This is going to be an opportunity for him to talk about this game for years to come. Yeah, so $36 million, They'll pay that through 2026. And there's a story up with uh, ESPN. Uh, NFL, they have... The NFL is discussing this. They've spent $800 million combined on fired coaches and executives over the last five years on buyout money. It's a good gig. So we don't hear much about this buyout money. We hear it all the time in, in college, college. yeah. But the ESPN saying that over the last five seasons, they've spent $800 million roughly on fired coaches and execs. I'd like to see the breakdown of exec versus coaches. And what the ratio is between both. I mean, I know coaches lead the way yes. with buyout money. Yeah, but those contracts are going to be far better. I mean, how much normally. do staffs get in buyout money when you fire a coach? How much is the offensive coordinator getting if he's under contract for another year? I mean, that's, that's where it really yeah. breaks down. To, you're going to have a lot of money involved when it comes to the staffs. But I don't know because you hear about that. Because in college, it's always the addendum of this is what it will cost to fire this coach with four years left on this big contract and their staff. Plus, their staff's going to cost this much to fire. You don't hear about that as much in the NFL. A couple of uh, stats from week 15 that stood out to me, Chad, and just going through you know, the Jags and the Cowboys, which we've talked about. The Raiders and McDaniels went on that crazy play at the end by the Patriots, which is going to be replayed forever. Um the Giants snapped an 11-game losing streak in primetime. That blew my mind that they had lost that many games in primetime with their win over Washington. And honestly, it was a bad call, a very controversial call that allowed the Giants to win this game. Vikings, Jags, and Raiders, they all won. If you combine all the points that they trailed by this weekend, they combined, they trailed by 187 points. Vikings, Jags, Bengals. Uh, and according to ESPN stats and info, it's the first week in NFL history where three teams trailed by at least 17 points, but all three came back to win. It's a, it was a great weekend for the NFL. It's, it's one for the ages. I mean, it's the best weekend of this season for sure, but it's one of the best individual Saturday, Sunday, late season that I can ever remember. Entering, starting with that first game, was a great omen for the rest of the weekend with that big comeback by the Vikings. 
Uh, Justin Herbert, the first player in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards, um, at least 4,000 in each of his first three seasons. Get that guy a run game, man. They throw way too much. Throwing like 50 times a game. He made two throws in the Titans game that I'm putting on a list of him, Mahomes, and Allen are the only three that could make the throw in the league. That I'd even Down put close on the list. There was one rolling left where he threw a rocket close to the sideline and one rolling right, the one that won the game, that put them in yes. field goal range in the last play of the game, second to last play. That was remarkable. I mean, running on a sprint to the sideline and lofts it 40-plus yards down the field and drops it in Mike Williams' lap where only he could get it right on the sideline. But the, the frustrating part with that is they're putting up 14 points in that game until that moment. Yeah. You know? That's what's frustrating about the Chargers is they're not balanced enough. And, and look, they also haven't been healthy enough because they've missed their premier playmakers at receiver for a good chunk of the season. But you, you Vrabel was admitting this. Um, and it, look, it, you saw a situation as well where the, the Chargers are taking timeouts as the Titans were about to score. Chargers are taking timeouts to save time instead of running it down thinking that they could stop Tennessee, that they were going to tie the game. So at worst, you're thinking, okay, they're going to tie the game. I'm, we're watching this together yesterday, Chad, and I say, Vrabel's going to go for two. If they score, they're going to go for two, which is reminiscent of our trip to London a few years back. Yep. But why he couldn't do that is there was, what, 43, 42 it was seconds 48 left? 48 at, at that point, because they, they got the ball back, and their first snap was 44 seconds left. So it, it took that element out, Staley, by taking some timeouts in that moment, took the element of going for two out for Vrabel because if you go for two, you're up by one if you get it, yes. But he also admitted, like, you can't end the game there because he knew the game wouldn't have been ended by going for two because Justin Herbert was going to get the football back against a, a very banged up and tired defense. And Herbert did exactly that. Drove down, got in a field goal range. Field goal still beat them even if they went for two. That's why they tied it and tried to just play for overtime. Well, the best-case scenario on, on the play where Tannehill scores in the sneak is that they get stuffed on that play. It goes to fourth down. Yeah. They can run it down. To, you know, They score Whatever. with eight seconds left on fourth down. Then go for two. you go for two and the game's over at that point. But you can't get cute on no. third down. You don't want to, oh, we're going to take a knee now and then try to score on fourth to win it. I mean, you would rightfully get crushed if you didn't get it on fourth down at that point. Chad, the Lions do it again, and they do it in crunch time, in the clutch. Our Lions. Late fourth quarter drive against New York to win that game, uh, getting a great great play call and play design if you haven't seen how they set this up. And uh, Jared Goff continues to show why he's probably the quarterback in Detroit next year. Never would have signed up for that at the beginning of the season at all. And, and now he's leading the way, and... You've got a coach of the year candidate and Dan Campbell and the Lions who are scratching and clawing their way to the NFL postseason right now. Robert Sala, terrible clock management. Yes. Calls the first time out. They had two left with 19 seconds left on the final. Let 22 seconds tick off at 1.18 on another play. It was like Jeff Saturday. It was really, really bad. And who's done a really good job with the Jets for the most part. Yep. Terrible finish of the game for him. Um, Zach Wilson was okay. In this game, yeah. not not terrible, but that fourth and inches play call with Goff to the tight end for the touchdown, that is a gutsy play too. <laughs> On a fourth and inches where I'm expecting quarterback sneak get the first down, 
they run a play action where it looks like they're going to power run, sneak the tight end to the opposite side of the formation, ends up being a long touchdown pass to take the late lead. Right now, the Lions remain in the nine seed. They're seven and seven, and they trail the Seahawks for the last team out. But the Commanders right now, with their loss to the Giants, they're in the seven spot at where they're benefited by the tie, seven, six, and one, fourth in the NFC East. Right now, all four teams in that division are in. That may not play out that way because the Lions continue to come up with these clutch performances, and they continue to win. And they're putting up points. That's the other thing. you got to keep up with them. It's fun, fun team to watch, too, the way they've been playing lately. And um, if they can go from one and six, the playoffs. And the <laughs> commanders were in a similar spot yes. you know, this year. where one and the, four. The two teams that are battling it out. One two, and five after the Titans. Two of game. the yeah. teams battling it out for the end, of the end of the NFC playoff chase both looked like they were completely dead earlier this season. Uh, a team that's dead, New England, based on the reaction and a final play of regulation, 24-all. Bill Pelichek's team reacted as though they didn't know the score. Or if they did, they went rogue and acted like, you know what, we're just going to try to do something to end the game instead of just play for overtime because this play didn't work. On, what was a draw? <laughs> They're out of Hell Mary range. They're just going to go with a, a draw, and it ends with uh, the Raiders taking it into the end zone. We give thoughts on what this signals with the, the Patriots organization because we're not seeing this. Typically don't see a team that doesn't look like they didn't know the situation. They didn't know what the coach wanted executed. But both players involved in this have admitted, yeah, we did it on our own. What does that mean? Long-term, short-term, however you want to look at this. We, it, ultimately, what it means is they're not making the postseason because of this terrible loss. But beyond that, this is an eyebrow raiser for me. We'll get Chad's reaction as well. We'll chime in on that, plus the other great finishes to wrap up what was a fantastic weekend of football. That's next on Now Kick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So, welcome back to Outkick 360. Chad, I have seen more reaction to the Raiders finish of the Patriots. It's been opposite of what I expected. The questions have been more about why Mac Jones was unable to throw the Hail Mary than it was why the players reacted the way they did in the moment. Um, take a knee. You take a knee and you just go to overtime. I don't get it. They went with the draw because they couldn't go with the Hail Mary. And then Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers go lateral, throwing back to Mac Jones. It's picked off by Chandler Jones, taken away by Chandler Jones, returned 48 yards for a touchdown. I don't understand how uh, any player goes rogue like that, but especially with Bill Belichick. So... Years from what now, happened to the Patriot way? Years from now, I firmly believe that in some podcast, in some far-flung NFL universe somewhere, mm -hmm. one or both these guys will go on a podcast at some point and tell us 
that they heard from some coach to either do this oh. or heard that they were behind. I just don't believe that not one but two players would go rogue in this situation. Now, Mac Jones seemed to be on the page of what are you doing when the ball was thrown to him, right? I mean, he got laid out by Chandler Jones and he ran it back. But I'm watching this over and over. Mac Jones looks like, what, what are you doing? When he throws it to him, almost hands out like, what's going I, on? When they throw it and then Chandler Jones picks it off. But Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson both blew it on this one. If you're Jacoby Myers and you catch that lateral, how are you not just either running forward or falling down when you're surprised that the ball's in your lap? If you know that it's just a draw play. So did he just panic and do the exact same? It does not make sense that two guys would go rogue. If it was just Stevenson or just Myers, okay, they thought they were behind, they did something stupid, but both of them? I don't buy it. But it also doesn't make sense. I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I think they heard from someone to do this. But it wouldn't. And they're covering for their coaches. But for what reason? The Patriot way. I'll take the blame. I did it. I'm not going to put it on someone else. Even no, I'm the one who went out there and did it, so it's my fault. Well, the Patriot way would be would just uh, you have to ask Coach what why we called that play. You know, he, well, can, and he Coach can tell said you. it was a draw play. Yeah, and it was yeah. not executed properly. They, they ran the draw play because they couldn't throw it that far. Um, and look, maybe these guys do a podcast, you know, after their career, I, and they just say, "No, I I screwed it up. I just I saw red, and I tried to pitch it back, and then the other guy did the same thing." But I just I can't. I can't buy it because it's two different guys. But if Belichick, it was one player, I could buy this this rationale. Belichick also didn't throw the guys under the bus. He just said that we made mistakes on the final play. He didn't go as far to say that you know the guys went rogue, to your point. But the players went the opposite. They they went all the way in by saying that, yeah, we just we made a mistake. We didn't execute that well. I don't buy it. I think they heard something. They misheard it. Someone said the wrong thing. But for both those guys to do it, I don't buy that just two guys went rogue on that final play. Well, Mac Jones, We may never know the truth. Mac Jones didn't act like he was getting the football again. No. Nor did he need to. Well, that's what I'm saying. Mac Jones was on the page of draw. Those guys heard something different. Back at it tomorrow with uh, more headlines and sports analysis on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.